Well, good to see all of you again. Good crowd today. Looks like we may be getting past the flu bugs. Is everybody feeling something better? Uh, I see folks I hadn't seen in a month, and uh, I tell you what, it's, it's good to see you back. I, we miss you when you're not here, but I tell you, you can't get out in public when you're hacking your head off, you know, so, but it's good to have y'all back, and I think this thing may be on the way out the door. I hope so, and, uh, but y'all just keep praying for one another because this has been a, a pretty bad sickness. Uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 12 is where we're going today. 1 John 4, 7 through 12, we were here last week as well. And uh, we're going to uh, uh, kind of read this again. We're going to focus on a couple other verses. And if you'll remember, the, the sermon title um, for this month or the sermon series is what? Can you remember? It's right, it was right there. Go ahead. Loving God, loving each other. And that's what we should do as Christian fellowship. Amen? We should love God. We should love one another. So that's what we're going to be talking about at least for the next couple of weeks. But um, if you were out last week, hadn't heard, we're, we're just zeroing in on love. It's the month of February, and uh, a couple of things. we got Valentine's Day. It's also our anniversary month, mine and Lisa's, so we celebrate that, and uh, so this is another way of doing that. So anyway, see, I, I did say something about it, so you heard it, okay? <laughs> so there you go. But, uh, but last month, we spent a, a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort on, on vision. You all part of it, and love ties right into that. It all goes hand in hand. It's all part of each other to make the, the church of God go forward. And just imagine your car riding down the street with no rearview mirror and no side mirrors. Remove those. You don't need those because we're focusing on forward. And that's what love got to do with it. And that's what love has to do with it. Tina Turner used to ask, what's love got to do with it? Well, that's what it's got to do with it right there. We are going to focus on love, unity, fellowship, and also vision to focus on going forward for Jesus as a church. And that's what we want to do. But the base scripture that we're looking at again is, is 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 12. Now, last week, if you'll remember, um, we focused on verses 7 and verses 8, verses 7 and 8, and we discovered something. We discovered that first of all, God is, let me hear you, love. God is love. His very being, His very essence, His very nature is all consumed with His love. His, not only His love, but His perfect love. Now, we, we can love, but we don't have a perfect love like God has. So he is consumed. His nature is all perfect love. Now, verse 8 also reminds us about our part in this. And what does verse 8 say? It says, he, does not, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, now that speaks loud and clear to me. Does it to you? I mean, that's a mouthful to say. And it, just, it speaks very loud. The biblical concept of love, listen, the biblical concept of love means to be seeking the best for a person while asking for nothing in return. That's what love is. Only God can produce, this is important, only God can produce that kind of love in your life. You cannot do that alone. You have to be dependent upon God to produce that type of love of love that only comes from him. So today we're going to zero in on uh, verses 9 and 10. So let's, let's read this passage again together. Stand for me if you would. Stand to your feet. First John 4, cha uh, chapter 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for the love 
comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Boy, that's a mouthful. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, or there's a word we're going to focus in on today. It's called propitiation. That may be a word that's in your version of the Bible, but that is for our sins. So dear friends, since God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this passage of scripture that we have. We just ask that you bless it. We just ask, Father, that everything that's said about it comes directly from you. We just pray, Father, that it's received uh, in a way, Father, that uh, is known that it is completely from you. So bless us today, Lord. And again, I, if there's someone in this, in this room today that doesn't know you, I ask that they're paying special attention today. Because they need to know you, Father. They need to have a personal relationship with you. So bless them in a mighty way. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. may be seated. Now, you know, it's one thing to, to talk about love, isn't it? It's just one thing to talk about love. It's quite another thing to actually show somebody love. That's a whole different ballgame. It's a different animal, so to speak, as they would say. Our God, listen, is, is not just a talking God. He, it's not just lip service from God. Our God is an acting God. He is a doing with today. We're going to um, testify to this, and I don't know from week to week when they're able to come, but I'm glad they're here today. But for me growing up in this little small town of Walterboro, my family, we, we spent a lot of time together. We did. We, we, we just didn't, I mean, we did it in our house and that's just kind of what we did back in those days. Uh, we, we were just a busy family. I mean, I guess she didn't want to be around me. But, um, so she decided to go to work after I went to school. But we, we were always participating in a lot of electives and stuff in school. My brother Greg right here, he played football. He was the nose tackle for the Walterboro Bulldogs. Joe, you remember the Bulldogs? They're the Colleton County Cougars now, whatever. I don't know how that works, but he was a Bulldog. Now, we were there at different times. He graduated in 1979, and I was not eligible for high school band until 1980. So I always felt bad for our band director because he had eight or nine years with a Hannah in his band. So, but, uh, but anyway, two separate times. But, you know, in our family, we didn't have a lot. But what we had was enough. It was. We, we stayed home a lot. We didn't frequent many restaurants now, but you, you got to put that in context because at that time, Walterboro had a Hardee's, a Burger King, and a McDonald's. So there wasn't a whole lot to choose from. Now, when we got a Sonic drive-in, we thought we were at the top of the food chain. You know, of course, it's gotten a little better since then. But uh, Mama always cooked. We always had a hot breakfast. Then we'd have a school lunch. If we didn't brown bag it, we'd have a school lunch. And then we'd have a hot supper. And, and I remember during the day, during the summers, when we were home from school, um, and, and this was something when Mom was home that happened even when we weren't. Uh, when we were at school, is my dad would actually leave his job at 12 o'clock, and he would come home in the middle of the day for his hour, and he and mom would eat a, sh a sandwich together, and then he would go back to work. And I remember seeing this, you know, and the place for us to go was Charleston. There wasn't a whole lot of shopping in Walterboro, as you've heard me say before, but, but those times were rare. 
If we went to Charleston, that was, that was a treat. I mean, gas, my goodness, in those days was 59 cents. I mean, it was hard to go, you know, that far on 59 cents worth of gas. I'm serious. Y'all remember those days. Y'all certainly do. We didn't have a lot, but what we had, we made it work. And you know something? There was love in my house. And we were happy because that's what we knew. That's what God had given us. ton of love in that house. I, I, would, I would hear stories at school. From, from my friends, people that I saw every day, and I just couldn't, I couldn't really wrap my head around where they were coming from. I, just such dysfunction. So many things that just didn't happen in my house that, that, that did happen in there. I'm thankful that God placed me in a Christian home and, and taught me what it meant to love one another. A lot of folks don't have that. I'm grateful that God gave me that. I, I've got a Facebook friend. And sometimes he, he posts some pretty disturbing things on his Facebook. Y'all know what I'm talking Y'all see this stuff. If you're on Facebook, you see it. Well, this guy, he, it's disturbing, especially with things that are regarding love. You can tell when things just aren't going well in his life. This, this man's in his 50s, probably in his mid-50s, a little older than me. He's never been married. Sometimes he's got a huge why me attitude. You ever seen people like that? You know what I'm talking about? Just a, a, a why me attitude. He posts things like, why can't anybody love me? What have I done that is so wrong? These are some exact words. I looked them up. These are some exact words. Why me? That's, that's his thought. Now, knowing what I know about him, he's not putting God first in his life. That's a problem. Y'all know that. If God's not first, things don't work, do they? That's just how it goes. He doesn't understand what godly love is. There are times that he thinks nobody loves him, but that's just not the case. There are plenty of people that love him. Number one, God loves him, and his friends and his family loves him. Now, he's single. I don't know why that is. That's between him and God, but I think that's what he's referring to. I bring this up because there's so many in our world right around us right now, maybe even in this room, that are hurt, they're just hurting. They're wondering, just like my Facebook friend, does anybody love me? Is there anybody out there that has a love for me? They've been abused. They've been abandoned. They've been mistreated. They've been betrayed. They've been lied to and wounded just deeply. Maybe this is you today. Maybe there's someone here that, that can identify with this a little closer than they'd like to. Maybe you can even barely ask these questions, but you still do. Does anybody love me? Will I ever truly be loved? God's Word gives us wonderful news in the Gospels regarding these quite types of questions, and the answer is a resounding yes. It is a resounding yes. You are loved, my friends, and will always be loved by a God who is love. His origin is love. His essence is love. He wants to shower you. He wants to soak you. He wants to inundate your life with his love. How do we know this? As of last week, we saw this. He sent Jesus to die for us on the cross and save us from our sin. There is no greater love than what he has given us. And to make sure we didn't miss this little nugget, John gave us it twice in verses 9 and 10. God sent his son for you and me. So, okay, let's unpack this just a little bit. Let's read verses 9 and 10 again. I think I got this up there for you guys. 9 and 10. Okay. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, sent his, see how they, see the verbiage they used? Sent his one and only son. Shows sacrifice, doesn't it? 
one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And then 10 says, this is love, not that, that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice, I'm going to give you that word again, a propitiation for our sin. <clears throat> so how does this define what love is? The fullest extent, y'all have to forgive me, I've got a little bit of a sore throat today, so if I reach for this water bottle, there's something back there tickling. <laughs> Probably is. <clears throat> All right, so how does this define what love? The fullest extent of God's love for us, now listen, this was on full display. Remember what we just read? It was on full display when he gave his only son up to come to earth. There's a couple of ways that he did that. First, he let him come to earth. We know about the virgin birth. We know all of that. The scriptures say, says that, that he sent his one, his only son into the world. You see, it was an act of love just to release Jesus from heaven to come to earth. Now, let's think about that a minute. Jesus, like God, listen, has always existed. He didn't show up on the scene coming through the virgin birth with Mary. He was there before that. God brought him into the world that way so that he could become one of us. He made a, a tremendous sacrifice just by taking on human form and, and the general conditions of life here on earth. This was quite a contrast for Jesus. He was in heaven. He was in a glorified state. Everybody worshipped him. The angels worshipped him. They all did. Quite a contrast. God sent him in the world, and this world is certainly imperfect. So he sent him from a perfect heaven to an imperfect world. He sent him into a world of sin. There's that three-letter word. He was surrounded by people who just were not like him at all. He was surrounded by people not only who weren't like him, but people that didn't like him. They were imperfect people. He was mistreated by them. He was spat upon. He was disrespected. And why? Because he loved them anyway. He loves us anyway. He also laid aside his supremacy and his worship in heaven. As I said, Jesus was adored. He was worshiped. But in coming to earth, all of that adoration and that worship was replaced by just being looked upon as just another human being. Some certainly, <clears throat> some certainly did not adore him. Instead, they, they hated him. They hated everything that he stood for. They hated him being in the same room. They hated his essence. They hated everything about him. But you see, in heaven, even though Jesus was on earth, his status never changed. He was still what is called preeminent. He was still God. By coming to earth, he took on human form, and he had to deal with physical-type limitations. He had to deal with pain. He had to, to suffer weakness through things like, like being hungry and being thirsty. and He had to deal with just raw emotion, and he had to endure strong temptation. Somebody's talking to me this morning or yesterday about the temptation of Christ. But, but he had to, to endure all of that. What a sacrifice that he made by leaving his perfectly heavenly home to come to this imperfect world. And I'm going to give you something. Here's a nugget. Listen. He was born to die. 
That's the reason that he came. He was born to die for you. He was born to die for me so that we could have an opportunity, listen, to live in heaven someday if we will just believe. What a sacrifice. Just in Jesus coming into this world, we could see clearly the love and the sacrifice of both the Father and the Son. Jesus Christ is the expression of God's love, and it's the very heart of the gospel message. Verse 10. One of the most important verses in the Bible. This is love that we love God, but not, this is love not that we love God, but that He loved us. You see, true love is expressive, true love is sacrificial. 1 Corinthians 13 5 says this it does not dishonor others. It is not, and this is love talking about, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Now, I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't keep a record of my wrongs. He'd be writing all day. And that's just how it goes. We're an imperfect people, but that's how it is. You see, God's love for us is not a love of expectation. His love is not based on us loving Him. His love is not based on us loving Him back. His love is not contingent upon me loving Him. It's not altered by how much love I show Him. His love is even at its fullest for those who hate Him. His love is not self-serving. It's not selfish. It's not dependent upon getting something in return. The only thing that God wants in return for His love is this, our salvation. That's what he wants in return. So God, being that it's our salvation, his love for us is really for our benefit. It's just for us. He doesn't need our love. He doesn't need anything. He's God. So his love for us is our benefit, not his. Love is sacrificial, and it's love without seeking anything for ourselves. I mentioned earlier that it's one of the most um, wonderful and important verses in the Bible. It shows God's initiative in loving us. It addresses the magnitude of his love through the gift of the Holy Son. Now listen, this will put it in perspective. It, It did for me. God did not send his son here to live. He sent him to die. He didn't send an angel. He sent his son. God is God. He could have chosen another way. But he sent his son not to live, but to die. The magnitude of this move proves to us just how much God loves us. And and look, listen to this. Think about it. This was no ordinary death. It was the Savior, the death of the Savior of the world, dying in our place when it should have been us. He took our punishment. In the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, The Apostle Paul wrote it this way. He said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, say it, Christ died for us. There are two purposes for why Jesus died on the cross. First, in verse 9, it tells us, was so that we may live through him. And verse 10 was so that Jesus might be the atoning sacrifice or propitiation for our sin. His death, folks, was no accident. This didn't come up the day before, and they said, well, we're just going to crucify him. This was premeditated, premeditated murder. It was no accident. His death was an appointment. And listen, he didn't die as some weak martyr. 
He died as the great and the mighty conqueror, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who he died as. God sent his son so that we might live. This is how God showed his love. He revealed his love and he made it clear by, by sending Jesus to earth. He sent him to die for our sins. He put it on full display for the entire world to see. He put Jesus among us. He put him here. This is not an act that, that we've just heard about. People saw him there. This is not a fairy tale that somebody made up that we've just read in a book. There are eyewitnesses that saw Jesus here. What we know is this. God sent his son into the world, and he did so for the purpose of us living through him. He kind of sent Jesus into enemy territory, didn't he? He sent him into a place of, of sinners on a search and rescue mission. That's why he sent him. He came looking for us when we were just not looking for him. And again, why did he come? He came that we might live through him. Our world of humanity was dead with no life, no hope. Still, God sent his son. Our world of humanity was in rebellion against God. Still, God sent his son. Our world of humanity was not looking for God. Some even hated him. But what did he do? He still sent his son. Mentioned the word propitiation several times this morning. Now, the NIV that we read from calls it atoning sacrifice. The word propitiation in itself is just a, it's a really rich theological term that you see, especially in, in this, this section of the Bible. It's one of the most important ones that are in the Bible. Three other times it's used in the New Testament concerning Jesus' death on the cross, and I'll give you these. Romans 3.25 says it this way, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, let me hear the word, a propitiation, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate what? His righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Hebrews 2.17 says it this way, therefore he had to be like his brother's. In the same way, or in this, the way the NIV says it is, for the reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make an atonement or a propitiation for the sins of the people. And then 1 John 2, 2 says it this way. It says, for he is the atoning sacrifice or propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, listen, but also for the sins of what? the whole world. Now, that's a lot to take on your shoulders. But he did. He would have done it for one or all. And he did it for all. Amen. So thankful he did. This term, propitiation, it means to turn away the wrath of God by means of an offering. Christ is the propitiation because his becoming our substitute and assuming our sin obligations. He took them all. He covered our guilt. He covered our sin for the punishment that he took on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, In Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And I'll read it in this version, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Through this, propitiation teaches us that, that God personally, listen, God personally is personal for him. He personally hates sin. 
It teaches us that sin is serious. Everybody say sin is serious. Let me hear that again. Sin is serious. It teaches us that the greatness of God's love in which he provided the offering to turn wrath away. It also teaches us the truth that the death of Jesus, his death satisfied the Father. He allowed that substitute for all of us who, we're the sinners. He allowed Jesus to be that substitute to pay the cost for our sins. It teaches us that God's holiness required satisfaction and that God's love provided that satisfaction. Tim Keller said it this way in his book. The book's called Preaching to a Postmodern City. The gospel that Jesus lived is the life that you should have lived and died the death that you should have died in your place. So God could receive you not for your record in sake, but for Jesus' record in sake. So let me ask you a question this morning. Why did Jesus have to die? Was it necessary for him to go through one of the most brutal acts of being beaten? Just beyond recognition. The Bible's clear about that. He was beaten bad. And then finally it ended up with him being crucified on a Roman cross. But the answer is this. The reason it was so brutal, the reason that it was so bad, was to show how extreme our sin is. That's how extreme it is. That's how offensive it is. And then it also shows this. It shows how extreme God's love is we take these two factors to heart it will greatly change our lives god provides for us the best life the phrase in this passage that says living through him means to be born of god and to know god it means to experience his love and and to share that love with others it means to enjoy just sweet fellowship with the father it means to walk in the light it means to enjoy fellowship with one another in unity it means confessing and receiving forgiveness of sin, walking as he walked, knowing the truth, having victory over sin, and so much more. I wouldn't want to live any other way. I can't imagine living lost in this world like so many are. You see, we don't have to live without hope. We don't have to live without love. We don't have to live without peace. We don't have to live without the right kind of fellowship. God sent his son, and because of that, we can live in this world, but we don't have to live of this world. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should have what? Everlasting life. That's what it says. This is the finished work on the cross. This is the best life. I hope today that you're living it. I hope today that you're living your best life. I hope you just feel you know just how much Jesus loves you. I hope today that you can just feel him indwelling you with his love. But if you, if you haven't felt that this morning, let me tell you, you can. That is there for you. His love is for you. This message this morning is all about coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and experiencing his love. That's what love is. It's coming to know Jesus Christ is your Savior and also your personal friend.
no better friend. So how do we do that? How do I come to know Jesus Christ as my Savior? As I said last week, it's pretty simple, really. You just ask. You ask Jesus to, you, you say a prayer something like this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up. But I also know that you died on the cross for me, and I believe that. Then I also know that you rose from the grave three days later, and you live today. And I know that you did that for me. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to come and live in my life and help me live for you. If you say a prayer, something like that, there's no magic words, can't tell you what to say, but a prayer like that that is truly meant from your heart, you are saved. So I would encourage you to do that today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, today's your day. You come down this morning. If you're not sure how to do that, I will help you get through it. Our altar is open for prayer. We're in a season of transition right now. Our church is in need of prayer. I would encourage you to come this morning and kneel at this altar and give it to God. He's in control. He's got it in the palm of his hand, so we shouldn't worry about it, should we? He's got it. He's going to take care of it. Let's trust him and trust that God can save who asked him to. Let's stand together. Let's sing this old song together. And again, don't, don't wait. If you feel the urge to come down, you come down. Come down and pray or come talk with me. I'd love to talk with you about it. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin so much for being with us this morning. I am honored by your presence here. Appreciate you.